Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Growing Up Female with me, Connie Simmons. This is the podcast where we chat about what it's really like to grow up female behind the shiny social media profile. I'll be chatting to a whole host of young, inspirational women about race, beauty standards, periods, body shaming, sex, relationships, social media, everything it means to grow up as a female today. So today's guest came highly recommended. Um, She knows pretty much everything about our lady bits. An expert in the field, an author and also known as the Gyna Geek, it's the amazing Dr. Anita Mitra. Hi Anita, thank you so much for taking part. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for coming on as a guest, I really, really appreciate it. Um, I know you must be so busy right now, so um, yeah, I can't tell you how grateful I am to have you here. Um, No, it's nice to have an opportunity to talk about something a bit different for once. (laughs) Yeah, I bet, it's a bit of a break. Um, So basically, I um, wanted to get you on because I had so many questions and direct messages about on my Instagram about polycystic ovary syndrome and Mm. um there are lots of people to follow but um you know the best person to talk to is an expert or a doctor like yourself um so this is really exciting for me as well because I have had a quite a crazy journey in regards to periods and stuff from a quite a young age Mm -hmm. Um, but out of interest what made you want to specialize in this field Oh, good question. Um, So it wasn't something that I particularly really considered until um, right at the end of medical school when I did my placement in obstetrics and gynecology. Um, So just for anyone who's listening, obstetrics means um, looking after pregnant ladies. Um, So doing things like antenatal clinics, um, scanning in pregnancy, um, and then looking after people who are in labor, having their babies, Um, And then gynecology means non-pregnant lady problems. Um, So all the really fun stuff that everyone hates, um, such as periods, um, PMS, hormones, um, things like endometriosis, fibroids, um, menopause, and a lot of polycystic ovaries, um, like you mentioned, which I'm sure we'll have a very long conversation about. Um, But I just was really fascinated by all the different diseases. Um, And obviously, I love working with women to start with. Um, Mm. No offense to the men, but it was just something that I really (laughs) enjoyed. Um, And I liked it that we could look after people of all um, different um, ages, um, people who 
were having, you know, pregnancy is kind of, we almost think of it as a disease, but it's one of the most normal things that the body goes through. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So looking after people who are healthy um, and having the best day of their lives. Um, mm. But then obviously we do have people who are having really sad days, you know, people mm. who are not having um, happy outcomes with their pregnancies or people who are um, being diagnosed with gynecological cancers, for example. Mm. And so I just thought it's great to have such a mix of all these different things. And I don't know, it just absolutely fascinates me. Yeah, I find it really fascinating. And I really like the fact that I think in the last year, um, women are being a lot more open about talking about periods and everything surrounding infertility. And it's needed because um, it really aggravates me when people are so immature around it. I just think it's so natural. And um, I've grown up in a house with three brothers and my dad and it's just me and my mum but actually my dad's like not um he's very open I can like I could say to my dad can you go and get me some sanitary towels and he wouldn't mind and I think Mm. that's really good of him quite modern Mm. um and do you know what my brothers are used to me and my mum saying oh mum oh my period leave me alone like we have been quite open in this house Mm. but I can understand that there's a lot of households that aren't like that and I always think, yeah. imagine being like the only female in your house, you must feel quite alone because it does affect your mood and it does affect a lot of things. Um, and you, not being able to sort of share that would be quite tough, um, especially when it's Yeah, definitely. Month. Yeah, you're right. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start talking about it online, to be honest with you, because I, I was seeing a lot of women in clinic coming who didn't really understand the basics and that's not their fault because right. we're not really taught about it very well at school no, I mean not. I'll put my hands up and say that I thought that a period was an egg cracking and the contents coming out which is <laughs> kind of ironic every day yeah um and and so that was just my understanding um because my education at school was pretty rubbish mm. um but then I also just noticed that there were so many women who just opened up so much and were just you know really relieved to have this opportunity to to have this conversation with me about something that had maybe been bothering them for decades Mm. Um, and so that's when I realized we really need to talk about this and I wasn't really sure how people were going to react to me sort of saying the word like vagina or discharge or period Mm. and things it's amazing how many people were just like wow thank you we really need this conversation yeah and and people were like relieved yeah but that's the thing it's like this relief that like oh it's actually okay to talk about because just people suffer in silence and I think that you know having um having a disease that you can't talk to anyone about or or a symptom for example that you're not sure if it's a disease is really quite debilitating in terms of like the psychological impact of it um so I just think that it's it's so so important if we can you know talk about problems with our knees and um, our breathing and, and you know why can't we talk about problems with our periods and our hormones yeah and I mean I feel like that they can have such a huge control even more so than say your knee yeah very um, much I mean that's just opinion but I I, I, I do feel that way um so I'm going to just talk a little bit about my journey um yeah, from, from the age of 10 I started my period which was mm-hmm. a shock obviously to everyone well to my mum I, I don't think anyone else knew then but I was in my primary school and um, in my summer uniform. And I remember um, going to the toilet and there being blood, but not thinking anything of it. Because we hadn't even learned about sex education at this point mm-hmm. or about periods. And my mum obviously didn't think she needed to talk to her 10-year-old daughter about it. 
And I just thought I might have cut myself because that day we had done PE and stuff like that. Mm. So I just came home, didn't say anything. And I sat on my mum and dad's beautiful cream sofa (laughs) (laughs) and leaked through. And when I got up to get a drink and I was sat next to my brother, who was eight at the time, he was like, Mm. oh, there's blood on the sofa. My mum came running and going, who's put blood on the sofa? And then she saw that I had come on my period and was like Bradley Mm. can you go upstairs and take your uniform off please and he's like why doesn't Connie have to do it and it was just all a bit of a palaver anyway (laughs) mum had to talk me through it and I can't tell you how Mm. much of an alien I felt for quite a long time until I was about oh yeah definitely until I was about 14 because even then at high school so many girls didn't start their periods and um, it was disgusting like boys didn't want to go near you if they knew you had your period and things like that mm. and I just have always found it fascinating to know why someone can start their period so young and maybe someone can would start their period so late and like say well mm. I say late say 16 mm-hmm. like you know why are we all so different mm. well so the definition of um early menarche so menarche means um first when you first start your periods the definition is um anything less than um 11 years but in a study by the it's called the millennium cohort study so it's a cohort of of um, girls who were born in 2000-2001 we actually found that 11 percent started their periods before the age of 11 mm. so actually that's one in 10 so that's pretty common so Mm. it's quite interesting because we're saying that something that actually happens commonly in the population is abnormal um where it's actually not um and and so late is really um by 16 years if you haven't started your period so anything in between is sort of classified as normal um i don't really like that term but you know yeah yeah, (laughs) Um, the average age in the UK is about 12 to 13 years Um, but it has decreased um particularly in high income countries over the last few decades really that's interesting yeah yeah definitely and um there's lots of reasons why certain people start their periods earlier it it tends to be um somewhat genetic um and so it can be because that's what happened to your your mother um and then there's also some data to show that what happens when your mum's pregnant with you, so when you're inside the womb, can actually determine when you're going to um, start your periods. Um, wow. Also, birth weight has been correlated um, with starting your periods earlier. So babies of extreme birth weight on either sides of the scale, so very low and very high. Um, and then also um, a lot of more recent data has looked at um, socioeconomic status um, and, and found that actually people in, in lower socioeconomic groups um, may be more likely to start their periods earlier. Um, and so some of that um, people are thinking maybe related to diet um, and also the amount of fat tissue that you have, um, because fat tissue is actually very metabolically active. Um, so it can have an impact on your hormones for sure. Um, and then also ethnicity um, with people um, from ethnic minorities. Um, so um, black and Asian compared to Caucasians are more likely to start their periods earlier. Mm. So there are so many different factors and, and a lot of them are not things that you can actually control. Mm. Um, so it's a bit of a tricky one. Yeah, it um, is. And I don't know which one would apply to me because I, I couldn't I couldn't think then I couldn't really tick any of the boxes. But yeah, um, absolutely. But it still happens. So yeah, but it still happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's why it's really important to speak to um, to children, boys and girls about periods, 
from a very early age and to, to make sure that people understand because it's not fair for girls to be told by boys that they're disgusting. No. Or, um, you know, we need to really break that taboo. And yeah, I think absolutely. that's one of the things, when you know about something from an early age, you're less likely to think it's disgusting or abnormal. It's just mm. part of life. And yeah. ultimately, we're all here because of a period or the lack of one. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's just something that's so normal that we need to talk about. It needs to be normalised, um, doesn't it, massively? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are actually some small health risks related to going through um, an early menarche, so starting a period earlier. Okay. Um, so there's actually been some studies that have shown there's slightly higher risk of, of heart disease um, and of, of diabetes. Oh. Um, also, um, slightly increased risk of breast cancers, gallstones as well. Um, but actually, interestingly, uh, health benefit, um, possibly slightly higher, um, sorry, lower chance of having what we call osteoporosis. So um, that's where you get thin bones, particularly yeah. later in life. Um, and also maybe slightly lower risk of um, having celiac disease. So that's where you're gluten intolerant. Yeah. Um, so it's very wow. interesting. It's how amazing how hormones, they can all be connected to all those things. But that's the thing. That's why that's why I think hormones are so fascinating, that they have an impact on so many different aspects of your life. Mm. Um, and that's something that I think we might talk about a little bit later, um, particularly when we talk about PCOS. But, Absolutely. Um, I don't want anyone to be alarmed by hearing these kind of things no um but you know a lot of these things are also um things that we can negate with making sure that we do um always try and have a really healthy active lifestyle mm-hmm. um you know with healthy diet and um, making sure that we stay active i mean so, i feel like it always boils, boils down to that um yeah which isn't a bad thing i think like yeah definitely and I think that you know I think it's a bit difficult because sometimes um, you know talking about being healthy can be um, a little bit emotive and it almost suggests sometimes that if you get certain diseases it's your own fault and it's because mm. you've not done these things but ultimately mm. you know our, our genetics do play such a huge role and, and a lot of what happens is genetically um, defined uh, and, and we can't really change it but this is just one of the reasons why I think that, you know, it's important for all of us to be aware of the importance of uh, making sure that we eat well and, and, and move well as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely notice that when I'm not as healthy or as active, my um, my water retention, my mood mm. um, and uh, also my my periods haven't been regular at all but we're going to move on to that but Mm. I feel like uh, there's uh, my periods are um, not as heavy or as painful um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of factors um I can tell that affect my period in in regards to definitely what I'm eating and exercise but I'm going to move Mm -hmm. on to that later because we're going to that's kind of linked to my the PCOS as well I just Mm -hmm. wanted to ask a question because I'm so curious about this Mm. I'm when I was about 14 I had what they what the doctors said was a phantom labor Mm -hmm. and I've had about three since uh, then Mm. um, but not for a long time they were sort of between the ages of 14 and sort of 20 and basically it was like I was in labor I felt this urge to push and everything and there were Mm. proper contractions but I wasn't pregnant and I and obviously and had and hadn't had a child and I just don't know why that happened to me I don't know if I've just thrown you off there because I'm sure it's not common 
Um, That's really unusual. I mean, there are lots of reasons for why you can get sort of um, really sudden, um, quite severe pain in your abdomen. Um, And so, I mean, it kind of depends where it was, but um, certainly when you're not pregnant, your womb can still contract. Mm. (laughs) And so that's what happens when you have period pains, actually. Mm. It's actually the, the muscle squeezing. Okay. so that you can um, help the body to shed the the lining so that yeah. the cells of the of the womb and all the blood that comes and that's the way that the body gets it out um, so for a lot of women their period can feel like labor certainly um, now if you weren't having any bleeding at the time then um, things uh, the bowel can also have an impact um, and certainly a lot of people can have quite awful bowel spasms um, where the muscle layer of the bowel becomes very overactive and and causes sort of a labor type um, pain as well. Um, Also the gallbladder which is a bit higher up in in your um, abdomen can also um, go into spasm and cause really quite severe pain not just at the top of your tummy but all over as well so there are other reasons for why it can happen Um, but it is a little bit more unusual. Yeah this this was definitely this was this would happen sort of on the day before or day of my period. So Mm. I think I was just having quite severe period pains. Yeah. Um, And obviously uh, now I've had a baby, I can say Mm. that they were probably like mild contractions, which is Mm. quite intense, but luckily I haven't had any since. Um, Yeah. 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 It was, it's really bizarre. Um, But besides that, my, I've always had regular periods and, um, uh never sort of had any symptoms of having polycystic ovary syndrome besides mm-hmm. I've always struggled with my weight mm-hmm. or weight loss is is a real tough thing for me to achieve mm. um but that could be not down to PCOS and there's I haven't mm. got any no one has said to me right that's because of this um mm. it's just because I didn't even know I had polycystic ovary syndrome until I was pregnant, which I thought mm. was quite interesting. Um, mm. So we'll move on to polycystic ovary because I think we'll talk about it for quite a bit because I know there's, um, you, you know, so many factors and symptoms surrounding it. And I think mm. still a lot of um, um, answers need, I, I feel like there's still not a, a lot of answers and a lot of people message me saying that they just get offered the pill all the time mm. um, so I basically when I was pregnant went and had a scan and the lady said to me that the egg was released on the left side and then she said have you ever been diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome I said no she said you know I think you have got it you've got quite a lot of cysts surrounding your ovary so one of my questions to you would be like is that the only way to know that you've actually got polycystic ovary syndrome is to go and have a scan? No. So there's, so there's polycystic ovaries and there's polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, okay. So I am a beginner at this, by the way. So <laughs> no, me. it's okay. We've all got to start somewhere. Mm. Um, so um, ovary 101. Your <laughs> ovaries contain your eggs. Um, and every month you um, your body should hopefully release one if you're having regular periods Mm. and the way in which the ovary releases eggs is by making a little cyst so a cyst is a fluid filled sac Mm -hmm. Um, and so every month they'll try and you know mature quite a few eggs and maybe one will actually make it Um, and so when you're 
ovaries are making these eggs to release, you'll see lots of little what we call follicles. Mm. Um, and so these are the little cysts containing the eggs. Um, and, and if they get trapped on the way out, so if you have a hormonal imbalance, as you may do in polycystic ovarian syndrome, you will have lots of, of these little cysts on the ovaries. So when we do a scan, we look at the ovary and it looks like a whitish gray color on the screen. And then you can see little black circles throughout the ovaries. And so if you're having a scan, sometimes the person might show you the screen. And I remember the first time I looked at an ultrasound scan, I was like, how am I ever going to understand what the heck they're trying to show me? <laughs> because it just all looks like white and gray. And I was like, I'm mm. never going to know how to look at <laughs> these. So if someone shows you a screen and you're like, no clue, mate, that's absolutely <laughs> fine. Because <laughs> I was like that too. Um, so if you're really young, you will have lots of follicles on your ovaries because literally your ovaries are full of eggs and they're all trying to get out. So it's something that we see very commonly in, in younger women. Um, when you say younger, what, what's younger? So like kind of late teens, early okay. 20s. It's very, yeah, it's very variable. Everyone's different. But polycystic ovarian syndrome is um, diagnosed by what we call the Rotterdam criteria. So you have to have two out of the following three. So polycystic ovaries on a scan, mm -hmm. um, irregular or absent periods, um, or evidence of increased levels of male hormones, so androgens, we call them. So testosterone is the one that everyone's heard of. So that can be things like acne, um, lots of facial and body hair, um, quite greasy skin, male pattern baldness, or a blood test that shows you've got high levels. Mm. So if you've got irregular periods and you've got acne and um, lots of hair, then technically you don't need a scan to be able yeah. to diagnose that you've got okay, polycystic syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think there maybe are a few people who are being overdiagnosed with PCOS at the moment mm. because of the fact that when you're younger, when you when you first start your periods, for the first sort of like two, three, four, five years, it's quite common for them to be irregular. Okay. And then because you're young, say you start your periods when you're, let's say, 13, be average for a sake of mm. argument. Um, you're 13, you start having periods and your periods are maybe every like two and a half to three months. Um, and then so you end up having a scan and you've got tons of eggs. So it makes your ovaries look polycystic. You could be diagnosed with polycystic ovaries, whereas in a few years, maybe your periods will become regular and you don't have any um, acne or any problems like that. So maybe you don't have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's a little bit tricky. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, the really important thing here is just to sort of keep an eye on what's happening with your period and it's certainly something that your GP would be thinking about if you went to them and said look my periods are really irregular um, and also sometimes um, if you're going to see your doctor about problems with your skin for example it would be a question that they would ask mm. because they're thinking in the background is this something related now certainly not everyone with acne for example has polycystic ovarian syndrome so PCOS we call it for short yeah. um, but it's actually a very common um, disease and some people say one in ten some people say more than that so okay. it's pretty common because I, I feel like I do feel like a lot of people they've got it or mm. they think they've got it or they want to have it as a reason for not I don't know having acne or for mm. being 
for being infertile. I, I have a, I do have, a, again, a lot of women message me saying, how did you have polycystic ovary syndrome? How quickly did you have a baby? I'm, I'm being trying and I can't. Do you think I've got PCOS? I obviously never answer these questions because I'm not qualified yeah. to. But this is the whole point of this podcast. Um, yeah, definitely. So, it's really so that's difficult. why I think it's so interesting because now I've spoken to you. I actually haven't seen a doctor besides that woman who scanned me about it because I've had mm. a baby and I've just it's just not been on the top of my list, sadly. But mm. I now don't think I've got polycystic ovary syndrome. I think I just mm. had polycystic ovaries mm. because I don't have acne. I don't have excess hair and I don't have balding or anything. The only mm. thing I have is irregular periods for the first time mm. in my life but that's because I had Macy but mm. that is that that was another question I was going to ask you um but I'll let you carry on yeah okay um so I mean you touched on fertility and and that is a big thing um mm. and a lot of women when they get diagnosed with um PCOS have contacted me and said that their doctor wasn't particularly helpful because they just said you know come back when you want to have a baby now, if you are told that you have PCOS, what's the first thing you do? You go home and you Google it. And then the first thing you read is it can cause infertility. Yeah. Well, yeah, it can cause problems with getting pregnant because if you are having very irregular periods, you're unlikely to be ovulating regularly. So yeah. ovulation um, means releasing an egg. And in order to get pregnant, you do need to release an egg. Um, and so that's why people with polycystic ovarian syndrome may be um, less likely to get pregnant quickly um, or naturally now if you're having regular periods with PCOS or you you know even if you are having some periods you still can get pregnant so the first thing is don't stop using contraception if you don't want to get pregnant because I've had quite a lot of people who said oh my doctor told me that I would never get pregnant um, I don't know why doctors say that because I would never say that to someone I don't I don't know how <laughs> to predict yeah. which of my PCOS patients is never going to get pregnant yeah. so that's a little bit of a flippant and slightly irresponsible thing to be told so um if someone tells you that just smile and nod and keep using contraception if you don't want to have if a you don't want to have time. A yeah because I've seen so many people who said my doctor told me I'll never get pregnant and um hello so I don't bother pregnant. using so don't bother using contraception yeah, yeah. it's not so, why I know people that have been told they're infertile they have IVF and then they've had a baby naturally after the IVF mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, that's so. very common. Yeah, so you can't um, rule it out, can you? Definitely not. So um, if you have PCOS, please don't um, become unduly concerned. But if you're not having regular periods and you're trying to get pregnant, um, then after six months of trying, ideally, we would like you to see your GP. For somebody okay. who's having regular periods, um, then we would normally ask you to wait 12 months before you see a okay. doctor. I think um, that's but, fair because... You know, it's it, 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 I, I fell pregnant first time, so really lucky, but I wasn't expecting to because I was told that because uh, I, I don't know why I just thought, oh, I, I didn't know I had cysts on my ovaries, but I just mm. thought oh, it can it can take up to a year or more. You don't, don't, you don't know, you don't know how fertile you are. Um, and it happened the first time, so really lucky, <laughs> but that might not happen again. Um, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm but, really aware um, of that, but I, I'm prepared to just give it time. I think that's a really important message though Connie is that not everyone's going to get pregnant straight away and you've got the right way of thinking about it it can take up to a year um, and I think people are really um, concerned if it takes them more than sort of a month or two because we we spend our whole um, you know teens 20s 30s maybe even you know 
really scared that we're going to get pregnant every time we have sex. <laughs> and that's kind of what you get told, isn't it? Like use contraception because yeah. you're going to get pregnant. And then you suddenly stop using contraception and you're like, what? Was this a big con? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so actually um, by 12 months, one in seven couples will not have successfully conceived. Um, and there's many reasons for that. Um, but certainly it could also um, be the guy it doesn't it's not always put on the woman yeah actually generally speaking it's about 50 50 so um, yeah we find a lot of um, male factor reasons but for women not ovulating is one of the commonest um, Mm. reasons but yeah it's just it's not going to happen to everyone with PCOS Um, but if you have PCOS there's lots of things that we can do um, and it can be relatively easy often to help you get pregnant there's medications Mm. that we can give for example to help you ovulate okay but with PCOS I just want to be a little bit geeky and talk about the science very quickly yeah please do one of the reasons why it actually happens is because the majority of people with PCOS are slightly resistant to insulin Mm -hmm. so when you have diabetes Um, one of the kinds of diabetes, so type two, is where you're resistant to insulin. So your body makes lots of insulin, but your cells, the cells of your body don't know how to respond and react to it. So it doesn't automatically mean that you're diabetic, um, but there is a higher risk of becoming diabetic in the future. But the insulin resistance is really important because what happens is your body makes tons of insulin um, and then it causes um, certain kind of cells in the ovaries to make lots of testosterone and so that's why you can get the the symptoms of having too much um, male hormone but the testosterone also stops you from ovulating okay of course because it's a it's a male hormone definitely and so uh if you've got lots of um fat tissue which we also call adipose tissue you can be more insulin resistant and also the fat tissue, as I said earlier, is quite metabolically active. Um, it also produces its own testosterone. So that can make um, things worse. So it's really difficult. So, because- so do you think that being at a healthy weight is key if you've got PCOS? Yes and no. So actually, people who are not overweight will still get PCOS. Um, it's called lean PCOS. And we don't truly understand exactly why it happens but it's also related to insulin resistance but I think it's quite tricky because a lot of people again I've had have had really awful interactions with doctors who've told them we just need to go and lose weight I've been told that exactly now the thing is there is there is a little bit of science behind it um, but also I feel quite strongly about how we have these kind of conversations with patients Um, now it's the reason that there's science behind it is because if you reduce the amount of adipose tissue that you have, you'll reduce the amount of testosterone, reduce your insulin resistance. Um, and so you should be able to help yourself start ovulating that way. And actually, um, so I don't think there's a gynecologist in the world who doesn't know the study that we're all quoted and we all learn that um, if you can lose 5% of your body weight, you probably start ovulating and you'll decrease your insulin resistance. Um, Now, that's pretty easy for someone to say, but practically, it's Mm. often not that easy for people to do. Mm. And I think that it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I think that if you are somebody who is already struggling with your weight, to be told that your health problem is related to your weight and that it just makes it sound like it's your fault often. And I don't think that's right. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Baffled. A brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that, that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon, incredible. So you basically <laughs> saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a decision to have no more children. Oh, they're talking, I think until 10 years ago, I, I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts. I'm, I feel I'm in that position at the moment because mm. I, I just had, I've had Macy and obviously when you're pregnant, you do gain weight. Um, I've lost 11% body fat and mm. I still have really irregular periods. I'm having, mm. I'm like, which I've never experienced before. And I really hate the feeling of not having regular periods. I mm. just feel, I just feel like unhealthy. I feel like, mm. is it because I need to lose another 10% body fat? And, yeah. but, but then I feel like then putting that stress on you is not good for your hormones. Plus, well, definitely. Still not having great sleep, which isn't great for your hormones if you're trying to lose weight. And then mm. now we're in this pandemic and you've got like, you just <laughs> want, you, you're, you're snacking and, and you're, mm. you can't be as active. I used to train a lot, but you know, you're limited. Mm. So I feel like, oh my God, I want regular periods again just because I want to feel normal. Mm. And I feel like, you know, come on she's a year now and and I'm starting to feel like it's my fault and that maybe I'm just not healthy enough and that's why my periods haven't Mm. gone back to normal but I am a healthy person I am a healthy person so I'm just like battling with myself definitely I think that there's a lot of shame put onto women um and I don't think it's right and and actually our guidelines from the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and pretty much any um Obstetrics institution around the world will say that the first line um, treatment for PCOS is lifestyle modification. But you know, mm. as doctors, we don't really have great training about that. And so, I would say that actually one of the best things that I would take away from using Instagram and social media is the amazing 
sort of insights that patients have given to me about how they felt about how doctors had conversations with them about this because I think it's one thing to um, say to a patient uh, sorry say to your doctor to their face this is how you made me feel it's very rare that patients do that Um, but people are quite open about it on social media so I really appreciate how people have helped me develop um, and hopefully for the better how I how I talk to patients about this so the first thing I always say is I'm not going to ask you to lose weight and they kind of look at me like what (laughs) the first doctor who's ever said that to me Um, and, and so I I sort of try and talk to my patients about sort of making it more positive um and thinking about what you can actually what positive changes you can have rather than like what you're going to not be allowed to put in your mouth not be allowed to do Mm. um and so certainly with food you know doctors we're really not very well trained when it comes to nutrition but you know I talk about um what you can add into your diet to actually give yourself the good things that you need so I particularly like talking to patients about making their plates more colourful because I think that's a really fun thing to do, um, makes meal times more interesting rather than thinking, I really wish that I could have this on my plate. So, you know, and, I'm not and when say, you say more colourful, you don't mean yeah. star, Harry Star mix, you mean <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean like um hashtag eat the rainbow bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know what you mean, but I just wanted to make it clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, you know, think about how many different colours um you can have on your plate. Um so for example, just simple things like if you're making like I don't know spaghetti bolognese I mean that's one of my favorite foods Mm, and there's you know there's nothing bad about bolognese that's definitely not what I'm saying I would say to my patients you know could you maybe add some like you know buy a pack of peppers and add the peppers in to um, give you some more color into that um and oh my god you can't have a spag bowl without peppers and mushrooms and well oh sure (laughs) I love it that's how we have ours nice and chunky yeah exactly and then you know like I think um I think we always um forget that there's a lot of people for example who really struggle to um afford to buy lots of um you know like avocados and all these kind of ridiculous things that every oh I don't think you need avocados to be healthy (laughs) exactly and so just really basic stuff like my my freezer is chock full of frozen veggies um canned veggies are also good you know anything that you can add um and then you know I, I think restrictions really psychologically challenging but if you start to increase um you know all these kind of things in your diet you will you know end up reducing um you know the things that maybe aren't really giving you a lot of nutrition aren't really giving you all the nutrients that you need because it's also quite important to remember that ovulation is a pretty hefty process for the body to go through. It requires a lot of hormones, nutrients, um, all these little you know, cofactors that you're not necessarily going to get from a diet that is not very nutrient dense. So what what, yeah. what, uh, what else would you say is essential? Because I, I hear a lot about um, carbs not being great. For- oh, yeah. So there's lots of ketogenic PCOS diets online. And Mm. sure, I mean, in the short term, ketogenic diets are shown to increase weight loss, um, but they don't really translate into long term results. 
And so ketogenic diets, for example, have only ever really been tested in scientific studies over a very short period of time. Mm. Um, and you need something that's sustainable. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. my other concern about a ketogenic diet is that it's quite low in fiber and fiber is one of the most important nutrients mm. that most of us don't have enough of. Yeah. Um, and, and so the thing about fiber is actually it's quite important because there are studies that have shown that people who um, have a low amount of fiber in their diet may be um, more likely to have PCOS and it doesn't necessarily mean that's a cause or an effect but there is no. some kind of correlation there between the two and it's um, also linked with bowel your bowel isn't it like definitely and so it's so important um, to um, make sure that you're going to the toilet to empty your bowels regularly now you didn't think that a vagina doctor was going to talk about poo but I am um, and so I love talking about poo just because <laughs> Because I've, I've done a nutritional diploma and I now know like the importance of your poo and what it can tell you about your diet. Absolutely. Now it's so, so important because yeah. we've all heard about the gut microbiome, right? The bacteria yes. that lives in your gut. Now that bacteria is also um, responsible in part for the metabolism um, of female hormones. So the gut bacteria has an influence on estrogen levels. Um, and so it's really important that you have healthy gut bacteria mm. and also going for a poo regularly actually helps your body to get rid of excess estrogens. Now, I hate the word detox, but let's be honest, the way that your body detoxes is through the kidneys, the bowel mm. um, and the liver. Um, and you don't need any other kind of like detox teas or anything because that's what your body's already right. doing. Yes. Um, so if you're making sure that you're um, keeping your fluid intake up and going for a poo regularly um, and that will require fiber, you know, you're helping your body detox itself. Um, right. And so it's it's quite important um, to make sure that you're having fiber for all those kind of multiple reasons. So that's the most important thing. And I think that um, when you are having a really good diet you will be having a really good poo essentially mm. that's sort of a long so and short of it fr fruit and vegetables are really rich in fiber so mm. that helps with the colorful plates so obviously when you have Definitely. a colorful plate you've obviously got an array of vitamins and minerals as well because yeah. they show it show in different colors um and then just because i know so many nutritionists up would like recommend legumes and all those things but let's yeah. just keep it simple and think about majority of the population in terms of, you know, when you're coming on your period or when you're hormonal, you want carbohydrates, you want chocolate, things like that. Yeah. Would you then say swap those white carbs for the whole grain, whole meal options so you can still enjoy the comfort, but you're getting that yeah. fiber that you need? So when it comes to carbs, I think quality over quantity for sure. Um, yeah. So you want some like really good quality carbs. So if you say, well, today I'm going to eat, um, so like the ketogenic diets often say 20 grams of carbs. Now you could have 20 grams of carbs from a little slither of like cake, for example, um, or you could have 20 grams of carbs from some oats and some vegetables. So which one is going to be mm. better for your body? Well, it's the latter. Um, and so 20 grams of carbs is just wildly inadequate for. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't be able to function. Um, but, uh, you know, that's what I'm talking about when I say quality over quantity. But mm. I think ultimately, um, if you want to have a day where you think, do you know what? I'm just going to eat what the heck I want. That's fine. Oh, yeah. 
absolutely. And, uh, again, I think it's just how fun. many of those days are you having? So I guess it's just yeah, about being really definitely. honest with yourself. And and I For think sure. I think that's what some people m- might not do. And I I've been guilty of it before, where mm. you're like, I'm do I'm doing everything. I I promise I'm doing everything. And then you actually sit down and think, actually, I'm actually doing that. I'm, I'm actually having I don't know. Um, a sugary cereal in the mornings because mm-hmm. I'm rushing a lot more than I'm having oats or egg on wholemeal toast and exactly you know for lunch I'm grabbing a, a, um, a sandwich over I don't know a nice pasta salad or something like that I don't know um, yeah so I think and then you know you're having chocolate every single day and quite a lot of it rather than you know I don't know maybe people need to be more mindful than they're actually being that's my overarching message is that, uh, you know, it's eating is doing something good for your body and mm. it's a way of taking care of it rather than a punishment yeah. for, you know, I love food. I love food. And I, I and just have to enjoy it. Absolutely. I'm so passionate about food. I love food and um, it just excites me every day. I love watching my daughter mm. eat and there's no way that I will ever again put restrictions on the food I'm yeah. eating. But what I will take away from this is that, like, Connie, are you really being mindful? You know, could you be eating more uh, more variety of fruit and veggies? You know, maybe maybe I am eating too much white pasta at the moment. I'll put my hands up to that. I think I am. And I think that maybe I can think of some alternatives that I can cook with or swap it for. Oh, there's um, this, like, amazing green pasta that you can get at the moment. Oh, you can get it from Waitrose, and it's like no, 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 (laughs) (laughs) hell no, no. It's um, I tried it at this food show once. I know that sounds really bougie, Um, but it's um, you just get it in the supermarket. It's from Waitrose, and I can't remember what brand it is now, but it's like this spiral like green pasta. Oh my god, it's so good. I mean, I don't know if it's actually better than white pasta, but I love it. (laughs) It's good, but um, I mean, the fit they do. You can get fifty-fifty pasta. And it's, yeah, you know, yeah. like the real thing. Um, but I'm just I'm just think, talking about myself here in mm. terms of, you know, at the moment, because I really want my yeah. pre- period, periods to be regular again. I don't know mm. whether it's just a matter of time because I do, I am active every day and I have three yeah. really balanced meals. But I don't know. I, I know so, this, isn't, this isn't an appointment, but, you know. It's just <laughs> no, no, not I'm at sure all. It will, I'm sure it will help lots of women out there anyway. But so again, after after having a baby, it's quite, usual for periods to be irregular um, for a year. yeah so I mean it depends on what you're doing in terms of breastfeeding um, so we know that when you're breastfeeding often you won't have periods mm-hmm. um, and but again it depends on how much you're feeding um, so there's something called lactational amenorrhea so amenorrhea means not having a period and lactational means related to breastfeeding um, so if you are so fully breastfeeding technically by that we mean four hours during the day and every six hours at night um, so generally speaking most people will not be having periods um, particularly for the first six months um, and so during that time you're really unlikely to get pregnant because you're not um, you're not ovulating because of the okay. way that the hormones are interacting with your ovaries and they suppress them from ovulating so during that time for the first six months if you are fully breastfeeding and you're not having periods you're highly unlikely to get pregnant but you can't really rely on it um, no. after the first six months I mean I, um, if you if you want sex uh, in the first six months after having a baby then <laughs> 
I salute you because I definitely didn't. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I know, I know, maybe it's just me. <laughs> I had a I had a patient a few weeks ago who I was doing a cesarean section um, and I was looking at her notes and it said um, the date of her last delivery and I was like, no, 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 someone, someone's written that wrong. That's, um, that's the wrong year. Uh, and she was um, like, nope. <laughs> she was like, no, I got pregnant six weeks after. My oh, my lordy lord. I know uh-huh. so it's um it's astonishing it's not necessarily what we recommend but it does happen yeah. um but uh yeah so after after you um sort of decrease breastfeeding then it's really difficult to know when your periods are going to come back and everyone's got a different threshold um mm. and again we don't really understand why but certainly you mentioned already that um your sleep is quite disturbed because you know you've got an alarm clock that you can't set right now yeah um, <laughs> who wakes you up all the time yeah um and so that definitely has an impact on what's going on with your hormones um you know because it's it's your body senses it as like a stress um, and it's kind of like being jet lagged all the time Mm. so you um I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you but I'm sure uh, will to your listeners where you go on a holiday you're jet lagged and then your period's either early or late when you come back Mm. it's because of the way that your body senses this kind of like change in circadian rhythm um because when you're sleeping or not sleeping it does alter your hormones and if you have a change in your um the pattern then your hormones will be quite different and all our hormones interact now i already talked about the fact that insulin interacts with female hormones but cortisol which is a stress hormone um you know melatonin which is a sleep hormone all of these are very much interlinked and that's something that i'm really keen to get across to people is that all of these things that we do in our daily lives have an impact on your female hormones you know your ovaries are not just pumping away on their own down there they're heavily influenced by everything else that you're doing Mm. Uh, and, and so certainly that will have an impact that is part of that whole lifestyle again, isn't it? Lifestyle isn't just about diet and exercise. It's about Definitely. stress levels. It's about social life. It's about sleep. It's all yeah, encompassing. Totally. And that's why, so um, the last four chapters of my book um, are all about lifestyle. So I'm buying your book on, today. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> there's a chapter on sleep, exercise, diet, and stress. Um, and I, I, I really, truly believe that many people don't understand the impact that it can have um and so certainly that will have an impact on on your periods after having a baby um now if you've completely stopped breastfeeding um and you have not had a period after about six months then you know you may want to think about seeing your gp there may be other things that are going on for example things with your thyroid um you know a multitude of things and sometimes it's actually just really helpful to just talk it through with someone else um and and see what's going on but just really important to just reinforce to people just because you're not having a period doesn't mean that you can't get pregnant so if you were not having a period and you um didn't want to get pregnant you should still use contraception um, yeah you might just be popping an egg (laughs) yeah and honestly like I just bringing a baby into the world is the biggest responsibility it's like it is hard work so just don't take that chance definitely yeah and also you've got to protect yourself from sexually transmitted diseases and things like that as well like contraception is so important absolutely Uh, yeah definitely it's really important and you know, I think that um, it's 
something that a lot of people um, are maybe a bit lax with sometimes. And that, mm. you know, I do see a lot of people who are like, I just didn't think I was going to get pregnant. And yeah. they are. Um, I think uh, the withdrawal method is becoming really increasingly popular these days. Um, and it's fine if you don't mind if you get pregnant. But again, in my book, I call it um, Russian roulette with a penis. Oh, because wow. even before <laughs> <laughs> even before a man ejaculates in about 30 percent of cases there will be healthy active rampant sperm released um which is capable of fertilizing an egg so you know i think it's difficult at the moment because of the fact that um maybe a lot of people can't access the contraception that they need to at the moment because of the pandemic um but that's just why you know condoms are so underrated and so important mm. Um, so, you know, you can buy them online. There's, yeah. you know, a great brand that I really like called Hanks. They are organic vegan condoms. Um, and I mean, this is not an ad, but you, no, know, you no, can no. get them really easily online. Cause a lot of people say that I don't like them cause they smell, these ones don't smell actually. I've sniffed them, um, <laughs> <laughs> as you do. Um, but you know, there's... it's all part, it's all part of the ex- like experience there. So it is important that you know you if you're going to use condoms you enjoy using them but you also have to think about the bigger picture as well like I think I think personally that everyone should just use condoms I think they're the safest and least complicated as well um yeah absolutely and I think a lot of people are like oh but if you look at the um the rates of pregnancy with condoms is quite high well it is and I think that's because people don't use them properly um how can you get pregnant with a condom on well I this is based on my kind of like anecdotal evidence of talking to patients um, and I don't mean to make anyone feel stupid if this is what they do but just to make you aware that if you're having a bit of a cheeky poke around and then put a condom on towards the end that's basically like using the withdrawal method yeah, yeah. Of the fact okay. that you can have sperm released yeah. so I just want to make that really clear and yeah if you do that that's okay if you accept the risk but it may be not the best way to use them no so you should really you need put to wear it from the start to finish. right from the start exactly that's good to know well I have had periods since Macy's been born they're just not being regular so I'm not going to stress too much because I do feel confident in the lifestyle that I'm leading I know that I, my sleep could be better uh, I am trying mm. to do a lot of things at once so that I know that there could be reasons as to why um, yeah. once this is all over if we still aren't regular then I'll go and see my GP um, yeah definitely but and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna there for a chat yeah absolutely um but that that's been so interesting and I actually feel like I could talk to you all day um but I know you're a very <laughs> sure. busy woman and what I am going to do <laughs> I am going to go and get your book and I'm going to read through that and that's going to really help me um oh, thank you. I just can't thank you enough for being a guest today no it's a pleasure but at the end of each episode um mm-hmm. I asked a guest Um, What are you most looking forward to after the pandemic? That's one of the questions. And then the second question is, if you could give yourself one bit of advice when you were growing up, it can be related to periods and all of what we've talked about today, or it can be completely Mm -hmm. not related. It's up to you. Um, What would that advice be? Okay, so the thing I'm most looking forward to after the pandemic is being able to meet up with all my friends and family and give them all a big hug. Yeah. I think that I'm really interested to see how 
the world is going to change after the pandemic. Mm. Um, because I think that a lot of us are kind of realizing that, you know, we take our freedom for granted. Um, and also maybe we don't necessarily keep in touch with our loved ones as much as we could. Mm. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I can't wait for that. And I also can't wait to go on holiday, but that's a bit more of a sort of, um, I don't know, uh, a luxury problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but it's, it's true though. Everyone feels the same, I think. Yeah. And then, oh, um, advice. I think um, my mum always used to tell me, she's like, you don't have to panic and do everything when you're young. Um, and I think that it's we often put a lot of pressure on ourselves to just do everything and have it all. And I think that social media definitely um, mm. potentiates that sort of stress amongst us that we look at people and, you know, you can look at like five different people and compare yourself to all of them and expect yourself to be that best thing that that, you know, each person has so you might look at one person like my god she's got an amazing wardrobe the next person she's got amazing skin the next Mm. person's got an incredible relationship the next person eats insta-worthy food every day and the other person is exercising like an athlete you can't be all of those things and each person shares their best side on instagram Mm. um, and on social media and so i think that You've got to give yourself a bit of a break. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people say to me, they're like, how do you manage to have it all? And I'm like, dude, I do not have it all. Mm. You know, my life is like mayhem. There's like piles of laundry in my house. <laughs> I've got like 50 forks in my work bag. It's, <laughs> there's probably like a dying clementine in there Um, (laughs) and you know I've got like pieces of paper everywhere with lists and I can't remember the last time I caught up with like half of my friends Um, but I might look like my life is pretty put Mm. together Um, and so I think that you have to remember that you've got to do the things that you want to do but don't think you have to do them all at the same time and I think that you've got to give yourself a break that's great it's so true yeah thank you so much no it's a pleasure don't forget to rate review and subscribe and maybe even share with a friend if you think they could benefit from listening to growing up female i'll be back next wednesday with another amazing female see you then Thanks for listening to the podcast. We know times are very difficult right now. And if you want any more information about coronavirus, go to nhs.uk slash coronavirus. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.